and welcome to Monorants, the only boys rewatch podcast with five cats in the background. I'm one of your hosts and jack of all trades, Mono, and with me is my co-host and master of none, Kira. Good morning. This week we're breaking down season two, episode five, We Gotta Go Now, or How Butcher Got His Groove Back. You know the score at this point, spoiler warning, comics, show in the future, etc, etc. So, Kira, what did we think of this one? Brief this thoughts. is a very fun episode. Number yes. one, we get an awful lot of black noir, which always happy to see more noir. Yeah, it is. And in daylight too, which is also fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his his like suburban stealth yeah. that he's got going on. Yeah, yeah, black noir is always fun to it's, see. Yeah, no, it and the visual of him on the roofs of suburbia is hilarious. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and between that. And the Dawn of the Seven stuff and the deep adverts and whatnot. There's an awful lot of like comedy in this one, which is interesting considering nobody has a good time in this episode. No, really. but the the lightheartedness of the episode comes from the settings, which is nice to yeah. see. And you need that counterbalance, otherwise this would be an incredibly depressing episode. Uh, well, especially after the last episode, which was a lot heavier. Yes, you um, needed something a little bit more kind of uplifting and light, even though there is an awful lot of shite going. On. Yeah, there's some serious shit that goes down, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the same tone as the previous episode. No. Definitely feels like a lighter tone but before we go too heavy into it we'll go for a little summary i suppose budget considers packing it all in but black nor has other plans all the soups are filming on set but homelander has a bad day and asks stormfront for help a train won't go down without a fight while annie fears she's been found out yeah that's pretty succinct so it opens with filming of the dawn of the seven so you've got your atypical post superhero smash up yeah. piles of rubble could be easily be a world war scene at this point because apparently collateral damage is just the way to go in a superhero well, film well given the collateral damage we've seen in this show <laughs> they've they, toned it down well yeah bit. like how do they represent it well no I mean was that just like it was because, just piles of rubble and rebar and no, upside down cars oh I know no I saw the destruction but in the pitch meeting, all he talked about was a drug dealer called Martinez. I think is this destruction caused by Martinez? Is this drug dealer collateral damage in the world of the boys? I think the scene in the pitch meeting is actually like the cold opening. You're probably right, yeah. I Yeah, <laughs> just given that they're like, this is supposed to be the wrap up of 12 years of, what do they call it, the VCU? Yeah, the VCU. It's 12 years of those movies coming into an Avengers yeah. Justice League style mashup. So that sounds like it was probably like the opening bit that yeah, no, wait, I... and then you get like roll credits. Yeah. But it opens with Maeve coming through this desolate cityscape that's got the lovely apocalypse orange filter oh, yes. on it. Yeah, and, and the Hans Zimmer music that we heard about the last Hans week. Zimmer. And she's very lacklusterly going Ruby, <laughs> Ruby, where are you, Ruby? Ruby is revealed to be the, the Manic Pixie dream girl to end all Manic Pixie dream girls. She's basically Elizabeth Salander from um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And then some. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, like, she's got the tats, she's got the piercing, she's got like the gothy haircut and all the vinyl. She's every alternate girl trope and cliche personified she's a into a, a human being. She's a suicide girl. Yeah. And that's just aged me. Yeah. If you remember suicide girls, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That hits the nail on the head, all right. And she's a hacker as well. So oh, you're yeah. getting like Angelina Jolie in hackers with like the funny haircut and the bodysuit. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, Maeve tells her that that she's she's a real hero because you know she oh lives God, she lives her true life. So cheesy, yeah, it's and so it's, bad. It's the cheesiest coming out scene. But you know that 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 has been shoehorned in there last minute by the actions of Homelander outing her on that TV show. They've gone, yeah. oh shit, we better cram this like love story in there. Well, I, like just to capitalize exactly, on it, yeah. and it is it's just. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know it's it's been capitalised on because after Cud is called and Homelander is talking about wanting to, to watch the, the playback he talks about how the Joss rewrite re- really sings oh, no it's not a Joss Whedon rewrite because there's no foot shots in it there <laughs> is it opens on a bloody foot shot no she's not barefoot so I don't think it came <laughs> well probably a little reference to his foot fetish he does have a massive foot fetish oh yeah yep yeah, Maeve walks up to Homelander and, and asks when the torture is going to end. Oh, he is playing with her like a cat plays with a mouse. Oh, he is. And, and he gets like so many little, just little digs in when Ashley shows up and he's like, <laughs> look at these proud lesbians. These so- proud lesbian women. Proud, yeah, proud lesbian women. Don't, don't they just inspire you? Girls really get it on. <laughs> Ashley's arrival on onto that scene is brilliant because she comes screeching up in that little like golf cart yeah. that I immediately just wanted to steal. Yeah, yeah. Goes <laughs> <laughs> zooming around in in the mustard yellow pantsuit, and she you and Ashley's clothes. I love Ashley's clothes. I love Ashley. She's great. Okay. Yeah, but just I know, chill. but everything she wears because everyone else is always in the same thing. Like even Annie in her civilian clothes, it's. Normally jeans, jeans and, and a, a hoodie. hoodie. Yeah, Ashley's this lovely little pop of color that appears, and it, you get the feeling that that's very much her personality. But she's yeah. trying to be upbeat and positive, but she does not get paid enough no. for what she does. <laughs> no. But when she arrives onto scene, and you can see she's very visibly stressed out by the way she kind of hurries over to Homelander and is like, Homelander. I need a minute. Like, yeah. hi, Maeve, go away now, please. Yeah, well, Maeve is, Maeve is probably only too happy to get away from Homelander. Yeah. And, yeah, it is, for, for her, it's just pure torture. Mm-hmm. Because the only good thing in her life, really, it seems, has been Elena. And, and she's she, always kept that secret and private. Yeah. And, and now, now he knows. And so does the whole world. Because he name dropped her as well in the the previous episode mm. with Maria Menounos, as he says, you know, I made a beautiful girlfriend Elena. Yeah. So poor Elena's in it now as well. Yeah. And before we talk about Seth and Evans' return, oh, oh <laughs> we get Seth and Evans. I just uh, I want to bring up the the only other bit we see made before that is back on set when they're filming the bit with fucking Greg Grunberg. He's like Agent Pearson. Oh yeah, he's he's the every guy. He shows up in like he's like JJ Abrams' best friend, and he shows up in like all of his movies. He's and fantastic. He, he was in Umbrella Academy, was he? I'm pretty sure that's him. Or am I having a stupid moment? I'm I think he might a, be having a, a stupid, stupid moment. moment. Um, he's like the agent guy. He's like Agent Kilson or a happy. Uh, yeah, he, that, exactly yeah, what he's supposed to be. He's the guy. You know the two time agents. No, no, Is not that about at all. Him? That no, like no, him. that's your man who plays Kemper oh. in. He plays yes, Kemper in, in Mindhunter. Yeah, in Mindhunter. Exactly. No, he looks, but he does look incredibly There's, like him. 
Yeah, I thought I thought your man uh, who played the dad in Brightburn looked more like Greg Grunberg. He did. <laughs> but yeah, Greg Grunberg is there as an Agent Coulson type character. and Yeah, I was totally, I got myself totally mixed up there. But they do look, to my defence, they do look awfully similar. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and they've been in, in things. Uh, yeah, it's easy to mix them up. Oh, he was in Heroes. Oh, yes. he was the dad that could like see things in his brain. Yeah, but yeah, the, that whole scene is just in there to me, to my mind, as a complete jab at that pandering feminist bit from Endgame. Oh, God, it's so bad. Because, yeah, it's nearly as bad as it is in any... Well, sorry, Endgame well, is nearly as bad as, as the parody that they show in Yeah, the well, they're here. also pushing this whole girls get it done thing as well, so that also smacks of just this is our latest promotion tactic oh, it's tokenism. that we're going to shove in there as well. But it is so fucking horribly cringy and it is supposed to be that like big awesome moment it's, Which is it's <laughs> almost word for word the same as Endgame because then Endgame is it Spider Man asks how Captain Marvel's going to get the, the gauntlet there and, and the girls are like don't worry she has help whereas in this it's you know how are you going to get there and it's don't worry girls get it done yeah and it's just the and they're cheesiest. all in like the superhero pose oh with, yeah like, all they're missing is the flag waving in the background behind them yeah like if, yeah they really really lay it on thick with that. <laughs> oh yeah and speaking of laying it on thick when we next see Maeve it's with Seth and Evan I love Seth and Evan I really really wish there had been a Seth and Evan Stormfront scene I would I just I would have just what? loved to have seen that because I, I can only imagine how Seth and Evan would get on with Stormfront <laughs> I that's why I wanted the scene I just even wanted like Maybe the aftermath of like one of them like sobbing hysterically in the corner, being escorted, like being escorted oh, yeah. you don't even, out you don't by even the see the meeting. You see <laughs> them walking in, and then it cuts to them later walking out, and they're both like in tears or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 One of them's like just like he, one of them's like clutching something that's shredded, no. sobbing. I just really wanted that. I, you know the way we've gotten like mini segments on YTube, like the Vought News Network yeah. segments and and the stuff we've seen seasons one and two. CCTV I, footage of that I, meeting. <laughs> well, no, I just I'd love to see just various set Seth and Evan just meeting with various superheroes and setting them up with, with you know briefing them on what the next marketing campaign will be, which is what they're doing to Maeve here. Yeah, you know, and they're talking about hashtag Brave Maeve and and all. And they're doing that, they're just, doing what every corporation does during Pride Month, which is just slapping Pride flags all over everything, as opposed oh, yeah. to taking the money that they could use on that marketing and just donating it to a good cause. Oh, they don't. They, they don't give a shit. No, uh, but they. <laughs> yeah, they basically don't. do what every single corporation does during Pride, which is look, we have one of them now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is our token gay, and they set about trying to tell her how to be gay. And you know, they're, oh, when they're talking oh, about, I'm sorry, Elena just cutting across them and going, "You, you know, know, she's, she's bi, bi, right?" <laughs> they're like, "Yes," but marketing says that that's too confusing, so it's we're just going to go with her being straight gay. Yeah. And, and one of you has to wear pantsuits. Yeah, she's like, we've redesigned your wardrobe. And that is a disgrace. Because you can get beautifully tailored suits, I'm sorry. But they make it deliberately boxy and mannish. Yeah, as they say, lesbian relationships play better when there's... when they can A clear like, gender divide like Ellen and Portia. Portia yeah. being the very feminine one and Ellen being the more masculine yeah. presenting partner. And, my my favorite bit about that whole scene is when Elena storms off 
when she says like I'm not going to do this bullshit and Ashley's like oh you'll be remunerated and she says I'm not for sale and storms off and Seth, Evan and Ashley just stare at her with this does not compute face like they've never <laughs> heard those words before like yeah. what I know the individual words but I don't understand the sentiment and Maeve runs off after yeah well she does make the very good point of the fact that Maeve is under contract so she can't really argue yeah Maeve Maeve's just gonna yeah she's just going with it because it's the fucking easiest thing to do and it'll blow over the quicker she gets it done the quicker it will be done and she knows as she says to Elena it's all Homelander Homelander's gone to Ashley and been like push this Maeve yeah. being gay thing you know it'll be good for us yeah they're all trying they're trying to spin everything into the most positive light but it because of it's all ultimately comes back to Homelander being a fucking narcissistic prick and Elena tries to say that she wants to go and spend some time away at her sister's I think or yeah. her mum's or some somewhere else she's going to leave and Maeve makes the point that if she leaves she can't protect her yeah and there's nowhere she can hide from Homelander she can see how scared Maeve is as well. So there is a, mm. there's some understanding there. Yeah. Well, she, what can they do? Like, if they get well, angry, Homelander can just retaliate. So the easiest thing for well, them no. to do is just to go on with it and stop rocking the boat and hope he gets bored and fucks off. Well, that's what Maeve's initial plan seems to be. It's just and after keep the on, kind of, keep on, keeping on. After the conversation with that she has with Elena, she seems to make a decision. Because yeah. when we see her at the end of the episode... She's gone to see the deep. And it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah, when uh you've what was it? How does she phrase it? That when he comes back to the she seven, goes, she's gonna he's gonna need at least one female to say that he's not a complete piece of shit. shit. And he's goes, You think I'm a piece of shit? And she just goes, Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's after when she shows up and um Can I just point out about that food drive? There's I'm no with, food. There's no food. It's like, it's food for yourself. Fuck you. Watch me be eat to death with this book. <laughs> yeah. Steal your wallet. And then like go and actually buy some food. You there's, bastards. It's so horribly evil. Oh yeah. And that's probably why they have a super strong superhero there handing out the yes. books. But when Maeve shows up and Deep's like, oh, are you interested in joining? She's like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> and then has the conversation with him. And like two or three sentences later, he's like, you think I'm a piece of shit? She's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she says to him, yeah, look, I'll do that for you. I'll say you're not a complete piece of shit, but you have to do something for me. Yeah. And that's all we get this episode in terms of what it is her plan is, but she seems to be concocting something. Yeah, well... A plan B, at the minute, we'll call it. Well, up until that point, she'd always been kind of sheltered by Homelander. Of all the superheroes, with the exception of maybe Black Noir, she was the one who was most in his good graces. Yeah, so she never really had to worry about it. Yeah, it seems and like in the last year or so. But also as well, she's becoming more compassionate towards the rest of them. Like we yeah. saw her reaching out to A-Train and just being kind of concerned. And it's like she's almost trying to relearn how to be yeah, and a compassionate she, person. Like well, I know with The Deep, she has an alternative going on there. Yeah. And she knows that he's easily manipulated. <laughs> God, God love him. Yeah, he's a potato. Yeah, no, you're right. Because she's... She stood up for Annie as well. Yeah. And she's beginning to see that how things are aren't right. And it this turn of point for her, I think, was leaving everybody on that plane. And what Annie's done, because I think she knows as well that Annie might have had something she to do probably, with it. Yeah, she, I'd say she has a good idea. Um, Standing up for her, seeing the way she was treated. And especially having the very brutal conversation with Annie where she was like, I, I thought you were my hero. And it turns out it was all just marketing. Yeah. She's had a couple of real... Little pushes in the right direction. Not 
pushes like that was that was harsh but oh, she yeah. needed to hear it and it's this is the culmination now of that is that she's realised now the Homelander has turned on her she's jeopardising the good things in her life the yeah. heat's been turned up on her yeah because Homelander knew that she was the one who was supposed to be keeping an eye on Annie and he completely doesn't trust Annie because he saw her talking to Huey like two episodes ago <laughs> Well, Homelander's spiral in this is quite fun. Well, yeah, but he found out about Elena. Yeah. And that was when he was going around trying to cut all the, the weak links in the chain and he had his talk with Annie. So he does, he doesn't trust her. He finds out she's been lying about Elena. He doesn't yeah. trust her anymore. So now he's he's turned up the heat and he's turned up the pressure. And at the start of the episode, you can see when he's like, oh, no, I'm just doing this because, you know, you, you're in love and, and Elena's good for you. And then he gets distracted from his, his Maeve torturing campaign because of what Ashley's come to say. Yeah, yeah. Maeve is becoming a individual in her own right because for the majority of season one, she is very kind of 2D. She's the bitch. Yeah, she's not, there's not a lot of character development going on there. She's not as integral to the plot as she is now. No, she, she has her, her, her short arc in the first season that takes her from Stone Cold Bitch to opened up a little bit yeah. and, and made a reconnection with Elena, a small reconnection with Elena and stood up for Annie. That's yeah. kind of her... her now, now you're starting to see more of her actual personality and maybe the person she was growing up like because mm. you've gotten to see some of her past yeah, talking about, about her, her relationship with her father. We know she's an alcoholic. Yeah. The X, Y, and Z, you know, like, so it's, it's fun to see her now come into her own. Mm. But yeah, no, Homelander, Homelander gets... Uh, a reprieve from the torture. Well, maybe well, it's gets a reprieve, reprieve from, from the torture. torture. His Homelander done made a boo boo. Yeah. Oh, he made such a massive boo boo. Poor Ashley. This is really when Ashley's like spiral starts proper. Like she'd had it a little bit in the previous episode. Yeah. But with this, she rocks up and she's got like an iPad and it's a video of Homelander going to stop a terrorist somewhere in Africa, presumably. Yeah. And, and and again being sloppy with the old laser eyes. Yeah. She's finally come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah, kills an innocent civilian yeah. and basically just buggers off with not a care in the world. Yeah, he stands there and goes, Yep, okay, that's done and just Terrific. leaves. Ex- exit stage up. Yep. Oh yeah. my god, the comment he makes. The, well his his first response is his usual response of scuff and What do you expect? Then, I killed the terrorist, you know. Yeah. Well, also they've been operating with what a thirty-four percent. Yeah, the casualty rate. Yeah. Well, that one was, <laughs> that one was above that because he killed one terrorist and he killed one civilian, so that's fifty percent casualty rate. <laughs> uh, so that's a, that's above his allowance. Yeah. But uh, who's going to tell Homelander no? Yeah. But yeah, no. His his response of oh, what they can't even fucking eat, but they've got mobile phones or something to that effect is just so callous. Yeah. And he asks about the after effects and yeah. she's like well it was up for 17 minutes we've managed to scrub it all but as we all know 17 minutes in internet time is forever yep so that's been archived stored shared downloaded that is global that is yeah. at newspapers they're never gonna kill that story now it's out and he's like oh okay well how am I doing in the ratings and she goes you're down yeah he's like what one two points and she's like no nine and a half he's like nine and, and a what yeah and then she's like well it's kind of worse because she shows him there's people protesting and the way he's like oh pro- protesting pro- protesters pro- hang on wait wait me they're me? protesting me <laughs> I did uh, he did kind of go a bit Dick Solomon in her rock <laughs> me yeah for that but yeah they're they're protesting him he's down nine and a half points his shares are tanking and yeah. he's like oh 
fuck. Um, right. Press conference. Oh, says, oh, press those, conference. Oh, those sort of days. Yeah. And she's like, no, Mr. Edgar and Eagle would like your statement to be no comment. Yeah, and when he hears the words, please no press. Yeah, she she. That's probably about the only time Ashley manages to she knows, keep him in check. Yeah, and that's well, because of Mr. Edgar. Yeah, because you can see it when she says the words, Mr. Edgar. He just freezes and his face oh. just changes. He ma- he makes that face that sideshow Bob makes every time he gets hit in the face with a rake. <laughs> it's yeah. that like. Urgh. Yeah, it is, and he calms himself enough to storm off to his trailer instead. And as he's storming off, passes uh, Stormfront. <laughs> she's uh, like, having a bad day. He just tells her he doesn't need her fucking help. And she's like, well, I'll be here when you need me. And it's her usual fucking... Snarky, snide. Yeah, snide, passive-aggressive self. <laughs> and we she all, does it we so well. We all know somebody like that. Yeah. But Homelander obviously just sits in his trailer for uh, however long and eventually can't contain it because... When we next see him, it's him landing at the rally with the protest with Victoria Newman. Yeah, it. she's she's and she's the first time we see her not on TV this season. Yeah, actually in person holding a rally outside of what, being like, yes, we're going to be investigating this. We hear you, and it's all like anti-Homelander sentiment placards, and it's, I, they're I, getting quite passionate about it. And then in comes Homelander. Homelander. And rightfully so, Victoria Newman like does look like she's about to shit herself. Oh yeah, she looks terrified. If, she, <laughs> <laughs> if she's if she's leading the charge against them and he rocks she's up seen next that her, video yeah. and the things he's done, she's obviously a little worried. Yeah, just a tad. But uh, Homelander you? thinks he's got it in hand. He's not worried. Yeah, going um, against all recommended advice, he takes the microphone off her. Yeah, and then proceeds to make everything worse. Yeah, it starts off okay. And, no, it doesn't. Well, it's not. It starts off not terrible, <laughs> salvageable maybe. And then you know he starts talking about how well look when when you're out doing it, you know, we're after terrorists. These things happen, and people are like, wait, these things happen. Well, it's happened this before. Is, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, that's not. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, um, you know, when when you serve with the, the the men and women of the army, like I have, you realize that he basically uses the freedom isn't free argument. And the the one <laughs> military guy at the front is like, you don't talk for us. Yeah, you don't speak for, for us. us. Yeah, they all start chanting, you don't speak for us. You don't speak for us. And we get an absolutely beautiful visual of Homelander cracking and oh yeah lasering that crowd in half yeah and i really liked how he just you know he lasers a couple of people that are running away in one direction and then he turns his head and just, it just cuts in it. half yeah. like half the crowd i mean the first time you know we watched what it, that scene actually really the way that it's shot from above and you can just see the carnage sweeping through mm. you know 28 weeks later there's that brilliant overhead scene with the helicopter Canted down, milling through all the zombies with the blade. <laughs> yeah, it looked like that, but on a bigger scale. Yeah, I really liked it, and it was just yeah. There's just like bits of people everywhere, and it's it's just it lasts for just long enough. Yeah, it lasts for just long enough, and Homelander's just cracked enough at this stage that for a second or two, when you're watching it the first time, you're like, oh, oh. did he really just did? And then oh. Just as you you start to question, it, go, no, he wouldn't have. They they snap back, and you realize that was just him Daydreaming. thinking about doing it. And his his exit there is just okay. Yeah, I love you guys. You're the real heroes. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo America. Uh, bye. 
exit stage up. <laughs> and yeah, exit stage up once again. Yeah. He goes off to some tunnel. I don't know where he is, but he's in an underground it, tunnel. But I think it's just supposed to be Vought Towers yeah, somewhere. Yeah, he's some, uh, having a freak out and he's having a proper mental break. Like he is laughing, he is crying, he is banging his head off the wall. Yeah, yeah, he's he's making... watching the footage over and over again of all these people booing him. Yeah. And he just loses it in that tunnel yeah, he, for however long he is down there for. Yeah, and directly following on from that, we see that he's like, okay, well... Gathers um, himself back I've up. I've lost even more people, so let's go and, and take Stormfront up, up on that effort of getting five five million people pissed. It was, it was kind of nice to see him kind of tail tucked between the legs going to Stormfront. Yeah. To see a little bit of humility and, okay, maybe I can't do all of this by myself. Yeah. Oh, and I just... When he comes to see Stormfront, before he comes into the trailer, we see that she's on the phone to oh, somebody this... flicking a lighter in a jacket or in a, a, a Sage Grove scrubs, clinic. medical scrubs that say Sage Grove Center. Yes, this mysterious phone call. Yeah, where there's reference made to potentially hurting or killing a 17-year-old. Yeah. And there's something weird going Stormfront on Stormfront frames it as, you know, oh, it's a heroic sacrifice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And that's the end of that. But enough to just whet our appetite and be like, ooh, ooh what's this little, ooh, what's going on here? Tasty. Because <laughs> as, as you've made allusions to before, she seems to have an awful lot of extra knowledge that the other superheroes yeah, don't she have. Yeah, she seems to know a lot about what's going on in Vaud and she seems to be getting an awful lot of leeway from Mr. Edgar in regards to her behaviour and, and statements she's made against the company. Well, so... Either she has some real, real <coughs> good black material, just, or she's she, like she's in on something bigger. Not just that, but we've seen Homelander be reprimanded for like blowing up that plane in <laughs> the the mayor's plane yeah. in season one for how his whole super terrorist plan. He got admonished by Edgar for that. We haven't seen Stormfront get reprimanded for her absolute massacre in the when chasing down the super no. terrorist. Now they had a convenient scapegoat, but. We didn't see any dressing down at all. No, so that's, yeah, she's, there's something else going on there that doesn't sit right with me in regards to, it's, it's the issue I've had from the very start of why she's so vocally anti-vought, why would she sign up yeah. to it? It's that whole thing. So, is, so this is now like, oh, hang on. Yeah, we know now Hang she's on. an out. She's she's got something to do over here. We know here. she's we know she's at least seventy or eighty or ninety years old. We yeah. know she's a horrible racist, but we still don't know what her her end goal is yeah. or what she's angling for. But when Homelander, but she comes, seems to have fingers in a lot yeah. of pies. When Homelander comes to see her, she shows him the first batch of memes that <laughs> she's been whipping up, or she's had whipped up. Yeah, well, she's what she's got three nerds in a trailer doing it. Yeah, and some of the memes are just brilliant. The yeah. uh, opinions don't kill terrorists. Some of them are just brilliant. And yeah. he, he asks like, "Where where did you get these?" And she's like, "Oh, they're just the first batch. Don't you worry." When you see them on your uncle's Facebook page, that's how you know it's working. Oh, yes. And we also all have a family relative like that. Yeah. But it's Homelander's little, like, up and down in this is is quite fun because he's so paranoid and he's been rejected by pretty much everybody at this point. Like, he doesn't have his weird fucking Stillwell ganger. Stillwell's gone. Yeah, so it's Doppelganger. Doppelganger's gone because he killed him. Ryan is gone for the minute because he told him to fuck off. Maeve is... He can't get the love he wants from Maeve because she's with Elena. Yeah, so he's just torturing her, but that's still not doing it for Well, that's just to get revenge for not being able to get the love. So he's like, well, 
who is being nice to me? Stormfront's being nice to me. Yeah. And he comes back to her later on after her little chat with Annie that we'll talk about later. And he's like, hey, I owe you. I'm I'm up. And the way he says he's up, he's gone back up like four or five points yeah. or something like that. And the way he says it is real like childish glee of like, oh, it worked. I'm up yeah. five points. Well, like he has the fucking emotional maturity of about a 12 year old. Like he's just, everything's he been pandered to him and his whole life. And he doesn't know you, how to deal with all of this. Like You really see that in the next episode as well. In, oh, in yes. the kind of the blossoming of his and Stormfront's relationship. Ugh. Because we see the very start of it, the oh. last scene of the episode is Homelander and Stormfront getting it on, because that's how he. That is her. some violent, violent act. That is some hate fucking. Oh yeah. Like if if there was ever like a dictionary definition of it, I think throwing her through a concrete wall counts. <laughs> yeah, no. Because they like number one, they wreck that place. Oh yeah, that that that's going to be a serious clean up the next day <laughs> yeah like no that's not a clean up that's just like leave you just lock the door leave it belongs to like whatever the ghost of what happened in there no that's it the terror though I know structural integrity people stop but, yeah, going have, for retaining walls they have some violent violent sex also how do they both still manage to have the boots on but they've taken the pants off the pants off. off and the boots on but still the capes at the top yeah it, there's there's a couple no, of really I, funny like, bits no no it. it's whatever about just taking the pants off it's the fact that the boots are on because both boots both sets of boots clearly go over the pants so the they, pants are so they've, the implication is that they put the boots back on and what's worse is the only argument that you could have for putting the boots back on would be for so you don't slip around the floor. But they can motherfucking fly. Or and that they, they, are they, they while like ripped sense. off the costumes. But the costumes True. are designed, well, like they both fly and she's electric. <laughs> so you assume the costumes aren't made out of like normal everyday material. Yeah. So you would assume that they're fairly indestructible. So, yeah, Why? Yeah. Why the boots? I know, I, I, I don't know why the boots. Oh. But obviously, it, we have to at least mention in passing the, the line, laser my fucking tits, you pussy. Yeah. She's like, oh, it hurts so good. <laughs> and we see that despite Homelander's inexperience and weirdness around sexual activities, he at least will do something that Batman won't do. Oh, yeah. That was also hilarious because he doesn't really get much choice in it. And the noise. <laughs> she grabs his head and is just like, get to it, boy. No, it's the noise of like his face hitting her pudenda. <laughs> it, just, it was so funny. Just his little like yeah. slurpy sound. Yeah. Homelander and sex scenes in this show are just their cause for hilarity and do absurdity not, do and not use vomit. them as an instructional video it is not right <laughs> no no but yeah Stormfront in this episode is fucking up everybody well fucking Homelander and then fucking up everybody yeah else. she's really starting to stir the pot more now like she everything she's been doing up to this point has been little like niggle niggle niggles like she's been making these little waves and now she's starting to turn them against each other as well yeah well we see with A-Train it's it's more about A-Train doesn't want to leave the seven and she just kind yeah. of gets a couple of digs in towards the end yeah. but A-Train in that that chat they have at the end, you can see that A-Train's got her number. He knows how racist she is. Oh, yeah. It's the way she looks at him, too. Yeah. When she's sitting there with the drink and she's like, oh, the Church of the Collective, they used to be this. They're, oh, it's because you get the announcement as he's watching the announcement that the Deep has gotten married. He's yeah. gone ahead and married this one from the previous episode. And 
she comes up to sit beside him and makes some comment about how the church isn't that what didn't used to be that bad and she used to be a member a long time ago when they let in quality people yeah you were you were a member and she's like yeah back in the day now they let in all sorts yeah yeah like talk about loaded language some people are just trash yeah he's like what do you mean Oh, he knows exactly what she means. Yeah. She like there isn't any way that she has disguised the looks that she gives yeah. him. Anything you can just tell, like she and he, just sets off this whole "you shouldn't be here" vibe. Yeah, and he knows she hasn't done or said anything explicitly racist, so he can't say you know anything about her being racist. But when he asks her, "Oh, have you got a problem with me?" She's like, "No. Why would you think that?" And oh, uh, yeah, she just oh, what a bitch. Oh. She's- <laughs> Such a fucking cow. And he's not having a good time of it this episode. Like, so he, he doesn't need that bullshit. No. Because he's on the way out. Yeah. He's he's trying desperately not to be on the way out and arguing with the director about not wanting to film scenes and, and so on. But it, 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 it doesn't get him anywhere. No. Well, he doesn't want to have to do this for a while speech and he eventually squares up after having an argument with the director, he tells him to take it to Ashley. Yeah. He squares up to Ashley is like, I'm not doing it. And she's like, well... You can retire gracefully and keep all of your retirement package and all of your assets or you could be fired and have nothing. Yeah. And he knows and he's made the comment before about how you don't fuck with the money and he has come from nothing Mm. and to lose all that would be devastating for him. Well, that's always been his goal the whole way since we've pretty much first met him has been to stay on the seven and stay in the money. Yeah. And he, he is like, he does make some really good points to her about his trainer sales and things like that. Yeah. And she's like, no, this is this decision has come from higher up. And so, yeah, he takes the retirement. He yeah, films well, the scene. <laughs> the the scene, like, that you get the end of it. Oh, just before, can can we give credit to uh, Kobe Minifi for the wonderfully ad-libbed line about oh, everybody got, in Madrid eating her paella? Yeah. <laughs> that was when a When she got fired line. and she went to Spain for the year and tindered yeah. away around Madrid and everybody in that city ate. My paella. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what she's trying to convince him. Hey, it'll be a good thing. You'll have farewell yeah. tours and this and that and the other. But and she does. She and she stands up to him. She puts her big girl pants on because she's he's she can't control Homelander for loving her money. No, but they've gotten to the point with the other ones now where she is standing up to them. Yeah, and she knows that 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 works for most of them, and yeah. it used to work for Homelander as well. Is that they're the one who writes the checks, so you got to keep them happy. That still keeps the rest of them in line. Yeah. And he, he wants to get at least the last couple of checks that he can. Yeah. So as you say, yeah, he goes and he films that farewell scene. <laughs> it's so lackluster. He's just like, oh, yay, I must do this now. I have to leave. <laughs> yeah, the director's I'm going like, home now. The director's like, do you want to do it again? That was great, but you can do it again if you want. No, Adrian's like, no. Yeah. And we see that the, the Homelander he's been talking to or delivering his scene to wasn't Homelander at all. It's just some stand-in wearing camo pants and the whole yeah, he's just, suit he's the just top. got the top on and the back of his head. And, and like, he's like, great, great read, bro, or something like that. Strolls off. But, um, no, you do feel for A-Train in this because he is, he's trying. And, well, he doesn't seem to be in a particularly um, popular member of the Seven anyway. No, not really. <laughs> no, well, if that, that Make-A-Wish kid's reaction <laughs> yeah, was course, anything yeah. to go by. <laughs> yeah, so uh, cashing it in anywhere he can. Yeah. He's like, yeah, fuck it. He's getting a percentage of the ticket sales off this film, so he may as well be in it. True. But yeah, he he is effectively out of the seven by the end of, no. of the episode. 
You get a mar- and you actually get a really nice marathon man reference. She's like, well, yeah. you're four years longer than marathon man. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, marathon man being the original speedster, the original speedster of the seven in the comics as well. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> it is nice. Well, not nice. That Stormfront manages to, in amongst her busy day of wrecking fucking Annie's life and helping out Homelander, she still finds the time to get the digs in with A-Train. Yeah. Because she's quite consumed with Annie as well in this episode. Oh, yes. Annie's not not having a good day. Like, shit's still tense between her and Homelander. And they've had the revelation of Liberty being Stormfront and she's trying to deal with that as well. Well, at the start of the episode, well, kind of one of their earlier interactions in the episode, she's like, you know, you keep staring at me and what's the deal? Like, why do you keep staring at me so much? And Annie tries to play it off as, oh, you're just such a good actress. I'm trying to watch you and learn from you. But it's probably like, how can you be ninety years old? Yeah, she uh, she can't compute it. They go off there. There's a really funny thing that I think is a bit of a dig at Kevin Feige, not Kevin Feige. Um, he directed Chef, uh, the Chef Show. Uh, oh Jesus! Um, I've forgotten his name entirely. So have I. It's really really gone from my head. Uh, Iron Man. Uh, yeah. He's happy. Fucking hell! What is his name? <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> The chef show guy. Yeah, I know. The chef movie guy. Not Roy Choi, but Directed the other one. Directed Iron Man. Directed The Mandalorian and all the live action reboots. And, uh, <sighs> why can't I think of his name? Fuck. This is really wrecking my head. John Favreau. John Favreau. I was like, just think of his first name. It's a really yeah. plain first name. David, Adam, Philip. Um, you think it's a dig at John the, Favreau? There's, there's a scene early on with the director who is a total amalgamation of like J.J. Abrams and a few other people. Yeah. Where he makes the announcement about he got this Vietnamese noodle truck Oh, lunch. right. And I was like, I it's kind of a little bit because John, John Favreau would yeah. do that. Oh uh, yeah, not a dig, but yeah. But no, it's a, little... a yeah, it's a like little director nod to that. That John Favreau is the one who got Roy Choi on thing because he had his truck. Yeah, his... and Iron Man. Yeah, that started their whole thing. And then when you've got Annie going to get lunch later on, yeah, and she realizes that her mother is in yeah in the canteen talking to Stormfront. Yep. And uh, she walks straight over and she's like, what the hell are you doing here? And Stormfront's like, hey, did you get the Vietnamese noodles? And it's been sitting there chatting away to her ma and it's all a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and he's very confused as to why she's there. And I think it's the first time her mum's seen her in person in the outfit too because she looks her up and down. She's like, you look really nice. <laughs> yeah. Stormfront says just a couple of things throughout the conversation that are just really like, Oh yeah, your mom's basically been telling me everything about yeah. it, and and drops these passive aggressive digs about how anybody would love to have a mother like her. But she's then, apologized for what she's done. You know, you really should forgive her. You know, everybody knows about V now, and you wouldn't be the only one who was angry because obviously the person who actually released the information about V to the public oh, was well, very she, angry. Yeah, in well, the she, first place she directs that line to Starlight. To yeah. yeah, and you can see Annie's like, oh dear. And then tries to just get back to the matter at hand and be like, look, this is not the place or the time for this, ma'am. Like, you can't ambush me at work when I'm flat out ignoring you for ruining my life. So, kind of says, enough about that, and and walks off. And then when we see Annie later on, she's obviously had... Well, she's obviously been worried by what Stormfront says. And she goes and has a little snoopy snoop. Stormfront makes a comment about her grandmother Adele. 
Yeah. And when Starlight goes to have a snoop around Stormfront's trailer, and they, there's a photo of her in the costume and a woman with grey hair. Yeah. And when she's trying to break in, hack into her laptop, she looks at the photo and goes, oh yeah, Adele, the grandmother. And that turns out to be the the password because she tries Liberty and it doesn't work. Yeah. But she uses Adele and then she pulls up all these emails to do with Sage Grove, which was the facility that Stormfront had been talking to the guy from. Yeah. It's, it's all of these tons and tons of correspondence. Yeah, loads. It's just, you know, the plot thickens. That isn't... I didn't really get a look at any of the titles. I'm not sure if it's in this episode or possibly in the next episode. But I think you see that Stan Edgar's been CC'd in on the emails. So it's yeah, emails to and from Sage Grove, but Stan Edgar's I've meant involved to, as well. To or pause it's been, it and have like a good read of them. Or they're to and from Stormfront and Stan Edgar about Sage Grove. Yeah. I, yeah, I meant to actually pause it and have a good read of it. But she's there and there's like tons of correspondence. There doesn't seem to be anything else on this in her email, but correspondence about Sage Grove. So the plot thickens regarding that. It's like, ooh, what the fuck else is she into now? And she hears her coming. And it stood there all confrontational. Yeah, when that went storm. She plays it she plays it really, really well with the whole I don't appreciate you butting in. Yeah. And it's what anybody in that situation would do, in fairness. Like if you if you were having issues with somebody and you somebody else tried to meddle, you're well yeah. within your rights to, oh, yeah. to confront that's... them about it. Especially when it's something that's completely none of their business. And and much like the last episode with Homelander and her in the elevator. Yeah. Annie is best at lying when she uses the truth to lie. Yeah. So why are you in my trailer? I'm here because you had no right to get in between me and my mom. Which yeah. is true. Not why she's actually in the trailer, but no. it's what she's feeling. But yeah, she, she but uses the truth to her advantage. still not enough to convince Stormfront because Stormfront says, Now look, see, you can act. That was a brilliant act. Yeah. And Annie's like, no, that's actually why I'm here. And she's like, no, the magic's gone. And... Stormfront basically tells her, I know you took fucking Gecko to get Gecko got it for you because I saw and, you with Gecko. Yeah, and you released it to the public. Yeah. And basically is like, I'm going to get you for it. Also, why good. does she know Gecko? If Gecko is such a minor one who works in the labs, why would she know who Gecko is? Well, Again, it's like why Stormfront always seems to know more than she's letting on. That might not necessarily have been prior knowledge, but it certainly shows that she's clever enough to go. I suspect Annie of being the one who because released I, the yeah. V. How would she have gotten the V? Oh, hang on, I saw her with some bloke the other day that I hadn't seen her for. For our, Who is that? Oh, that's Gecko, who works in the labs where they yeah. use V. You know, so she could have just put it together. Mm. But Annie has, at this point, gotten a little bit better at the old blackmail and extortion and is able to go, right, well, you want to try and get me for this? I know that you are Liberty. Yeah. Tells her to her face, I know you are Liberty in the 70s. And that you're a big horrible racist bitch basically yeah and you're wanted for like numerous murders and shit yeah and when that's when we get Homelander rocking in to say he owes Stormfront for all the other stuff but yeah. it's it's enough Stormfront like they were diffuse. literally saved by the bell there because they yeah. both neither of them can let on to Stormfront what's or to, to Homelander what's going on between well, them so it is like I think there's she, tension between all three of them for she's very trying to reasons. get Stormfront's trying to get Homelander on side yeah. and knowing what gets revealed later, later, but even just knowing what we know about what the Liberty stuff, 
she might not want Homelander to find out about that yet. No, so she in can. Fairness, if you want to manipulate the guy, do you want them to know you're essentially an immortal? <laughs> yeah, so she does. She's not ready for Homelander to find that out yet. No, so she can't it's... shop any to him yet either. And you can see her consider that, where he's like, "What are you two guys up to?" And they're like, "No, nothing, just a girl chat." And yeah, she doesn't. She decides, "No, I just I'll sit on this for a minute." Yeah, and that's it. Would be counter to her agenda to have that information revealed. Yeah. Um, because at the moment he's incredibly manipulative, yeah. a bull. But that, because he's so vulnerable, he's after losing. Like he, she's slowly, he, between her actions and his own. Well, it's mostly his own actions. He's removed every support pillar that he has, and she needs him on side and off balance. Yeah, to take advantage of it. Oh, definitely. But for Annie, on the other hand, that things have just kind of her worries have just doubled yeah. because she told Huey at the end of the last episode we you know we can't afford to feel good we can't because she talks about how she feels like she's walking around with a loaded gun in her face when she's at the tower because yeah. of Homelander now she knows for a fact Stormfront is onto her as well yeah. so she's got to be worried and about and A-Train that. knows as well yeah so uh, uh, no A-Train's not going to do anything to jeopardise that because he knows that that'll, he's already skating yeah. on thin ice he's not going to jeopardise his own standing within for the what? minute she has a, a very precarious balance yeah. where she's got something on A-Train she's got something on Stormfront oh it's a total and she's, of cards she's just about convinced Homelander that she's on their side yeah. but I think the only member of the Seven that we, we don't see on set for the dawn of the Seven apart from, obviously, Translucent, because he's dead, is Black Nora. Yeah. Who's off, as we mentioned at the start, doing his suburban stealth tracking down Butcher. So where Black Noir got this hard on for Butcher, I can't quite pinpoint. I know it it's, needs something to you, do with the V. No, you you were talking about this last week where, in reference to him showing up for Annika. It's nothing to do with Butcher. It's a mission. Oh, okay. He's just I been think told to get he's Butcher. He's been told to get to go and get Butcher by Stan. Yeah. And the okay. my, well, my yeah, I my just I I, I have because everybody else's motivations are so clear. I keep forgetting that Noir because everything we've seen about him is, is all these little hints of the, this like really like complex personality. Yeah. The fact that he is basically a robot. Yeah, but that's not like not like a robot, but he's like one of those weird. Um, you know, like the the MK Ultra kind yeah. of programmed. <laughs> that's, but that's that's what I think it that, is. Yeah, it's like, almost like somebody said a keyword, when, and he's just gone full on like yeah, Winter Soldier. But when he goes, when he because when he goes after Nakib, he kills absolutely everybody. He Except gets for the, the kid. He gets Nakib. Mission is accomplished, and he walks out, and he has the little like moment with yeah. the kid and the bunny. And similarly in this episode, he's purely focused on Butcher because that's what the mission is. Yeah. But as soon as once he has achieved his his goal, yeah, or he, his mission has changed, leaves. he's done. Well, it's the same as well when he kills uh, Kimiko. He just gets up and leaves. Yeah, there's no there's no emotion about it. There's no nothing yeah. about it, and and it's that's job yeah, done, gone. See ya. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with Butcher yeah. or with V. It's just Edgar said, "Go and hunt down Butcher." Yeah, well, Butcher in this episode, he's he's left like he'd already left him without saying goodbye. He's gone off to do his thing. Well, he yeah, they haven't them. seen him since yeah, he, he went to Becca. You get Huey then. Huey rings him to confront him about it. And well, don't forget, the first we see of Butcher in this episode is him getting into a fight and getting the shit kicked out oh, of him at the punk, punk bar. show. Yeah. 
Sometimes, yeah, you just to feel something, get the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> well, that's what it seems to be. Yeah, yeah he's he's it's... back on the drink, and he just he just wants to feel something. Yeah, well, he's he knows... been rejected by Becca because Becca's finally seen his true colors, and he can't deal with it. Yeah, and so then... he's a he's a completely he's a um a man in complete despair. But he's like he when Huey rings him, he's in a grocery store and he's got a pack of peas to his face, and I love it because they're Homelander brand peas. They're Homelander brand peas that he picks up out of a freezer yeah. uh, with a sign overhead that's from Vought Fresh Farms. Yes, and then walks past the Queen Maeve perfume stand as well. Isn't yeah, it? there's a Starlight standy in there as well. Yeah, and that's but, yeah where we get the the call between Huey and Butcher. They have an exchange basically about how he's a coward. Well, well we, we get the, him, call, he does open up to Huey a bit and calls him his canary and it's a bit of an emotional breakdown. Yeah, he's like... On he, Butcher's end. Yeah, because Huey tries to tell him about the Stormfront Liberty revelation. Yeah. And he's like, you know, that's great, get something to do it. And that's when Huey's like, well, no, fucking come back and sort this shit out with us. You can't just um, keep leaving us. Yeah, when you can't just keep you. leaving us. And that's when he's like, yeah, you know, look, Huey, me and you have been through some shit together. Yeah, it's 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 a real kind of honest moment from Butcher towards you, yeah. and he does. He calls him his canary, and says one or two nice things, and then just hangs up randomly after the the canary line. Yeah, and Huey's like, "That was weird." So goes to MM's like, "I just had a conversation with Butcher, and he was nice, <laughs> and he called me his canary. Like what?" <laughs> And M.M.'s like, tell me everything he yeah. just said. M.M.'s like, immediately concerned about that. Yeah, because he knows that's that's not the way Butcher operates. No. <laughs> you know, Butcher doesn't just be nice for the sake of being nice. No. Unless he wants something out of you. Cue Butcher in suburbia, rocking up to a nice house. Yeah. Little old lady opens the door and it's his Aunt Judy. Judy's a legend. Judy is a legend, but even more of a legend. Terror. We get to see Terror. We finally get Terror after a, a season and a half of waiting and, and a reference or two here or there. Yeah. We finally get Terror and he is the best boy. He's the best boy. But, but Terror's, yeah, he basically, he's going to Judy to get terror, terror to go off. He's, I think at this point he's just going to, in his mind, he's just going to kidnap Becca. I think he's contemplating suicide. He goes Why for the walk. Go, yeah. He goes for the walk with Terror. And he's walking through like that horrible suburbia, and you know he sees the the old man on the, the the mobility scooter, and he's like, you know, this is what it all. So is this what it all comes to? So I I think that same thinking. So even if I get mm. Becca back, this this is what we have to look forward to in the future is suburbia and getting old and fucking metamucils. The metamucils. I yeah, I think he's like, well, you know, if this is what the ultimate end, end goal is, even if I get Becca back. And I can't get Becca back. What's the What's point? What's the fucking point? And I, I think that's where he's going with that. He, he's he's kind of, it's a very much a soul-searching moment for him. He, he Well, he doesn't know what to do. No. Because for so long, it was get revenge for Becca. And then he found out Becca was alive. So it was get Becca. And now he... Becca doesn't want him. Yeah. So it's not about, it, it, it's not about getting Becca because he did and she didn't want him. So yeah. he's just a man lost completely. Yeah. But we get to see Terror, so I don't care. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> anytime. It was like it was like in season one when there was the flashback and we first got to meet and Becca. And we got to see Puppy. And we got to see Puppy Terror. And I was like, I don't give a shit that this is the introduction to Becca because fucking Terror. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, He's Terror. such, yeah, because he is such a huge part of the comic books. And yeah. 
Like, I understand the logistics of having a dog in the show is a bit... Given all the other shit that's going yeah. on, the, the logistics of having a dog on set as well, I understand it. It's pushing it a little bit too far. But this is But how, I just love seeing him. That's how you do fan service well. Yeah. That's we, not, we that's not like him. pandering fan service. That's how you do it well. We get a reference to him in season one, then we get a full episode with, with you know, a good bit of terror in it. So it is Billy Butcher's dog, just like in the comics, but you're not going to get to see him every episode. No. I'm fine with that. Like that yeah. was that was really fun. No, but, what when he comes back from the walk and she's like, "Oh, Billy, you didn't tell me your friends were here." Yeah, that's and it's MM and Huey are sat on the sofa and Huey's playing with this stuffed pig. Well, we get we get and, a, our uh, first Lenny reference as yeah. well because when Billy comes back, she's like, "Oh, isn't he the spit of Lenny?" Butcher's just, whole demeanor changes at like at that. Like, he tries to put on his normal butcher yeah. mode. Why are you guys here? <laughs> yeah, Go what away. do you do? And they ask him about Becca, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we're we're you know I'm picking her up later, and we're we're." And poor Judy's out. in the background going, "Becca's alive." Yeah, <laughs> but I like how and then he's like, "How did you find me?" And I was like, "Well, I knew you kept your dog at your auntie's, and I figured that you'd go for your dog, even either if you got Becca or if you didn't get Becca and you, were alive, you were, you were gonna, you were gonna go and find your dog." Yeah, and he's saying he's probably going to go to, like, Argentina or something like that. Yeah, he's like, well, look, you found me, and there's nothing to do, so you just can fuck off now. Yeah. And, and they're like, no, it, we're not fucking off. So Butcher says, fine, I'll fuck off. Tries to leave, and that's when he spots a little something up on the roof across the road. Yeah. And it's a little black noir. It's a little black noir on <laughs> so the roof. Yeah. So he runs back into the house, locks the doors, and is like, right, uh, we've got a problem. <laughs> we've got a big problem. We have like Norse size problem. Uh, yeah. Could I just say I love MM when they're locking down the house and he turns around to Judy and he's like, I need nails or this. I need an aerosol can about this big. Well, he's got all the ideas because he wants to make. He's and he, talk, he, he talking about making homemade grenades and he's the one who comes up with the plan as well to call in the gas leak. Yeah. So that if Black Noir does try to come for them, everybody will be out in the street. Yeah, and if see he's going to do it, he's got to do it in public. So he call, yeah, he calls in the gas leak. He makes. He do the raw proud. <laughs> make some homemade nail bombs yep and the fire brigade arrive they obviously have to clear every house because if it's a gas leak the way I believe the way heating systems work they're all connected so yeah. a gas leak in one means the whole cul-de-sac has to be evacuated and checked out um, obviously nobody thought to look out a window uh, <laughs> because yeah. Buckmore's not exactly like unless he's been like up there hiding behind a chimney yeah, for so, however long up there he's, he's like skulking around he stays up there and basically decides to wait it out because he knows they'll have to leave at some point yeah. all the houses are checked and cleared so when they leave they're like right shit, shit he's still there so Judy comes to the rescue and is like right to the taffy room well before before the taffy room we get Butcher's attempted suicide where he says he's gonna like he tells you right you M.M. and Judy make a run for it and yeah. I'll stay and take on Black Noir and I, I think it's probably one of my favourite scenes in this episode where Huey's tells him no you can't do this like you don't you don't get to fucking just decide that you're going to commit suicide and oh go in the blaze of glory moment yeah that's that's bullshit like don't you think that i thought about killing myself after what happened to robin and says you know I, i've thought about doing it a ton of times since but i haven't and the look on butcher's face does seem to be one of sadness of 
like I, I've done this to this kid. Yeah. And it seems to be getting through to him until he says the worst part is Becca's alive. She just doesn't want you. Yeah. And that really sets Billy off. And it's it's a harsh thing to say, but like I Sometimes understand what we, he's trying to say. Yeah. Is at least she's alive. You thought she was dead. Robin's definitely dead. There's no coming back for Robin. Oh God! No. And Butcher tries to square up to Huey and tell him that you know he's like say that again. But Huey doesn't back down. He's like, no, you you can't act like this. He tells him get out of the fucking way, and <laughs> that's when MM shows up behind him and is just like, yeah, well, if you want to go through him, yeah, but you won't get through me. Yep. I we I also forgot to mention one of my favorite lines. After when Butcher storms out of the house initially to leave. Oh, yes. And Judy and Huey sat on the sofa with this stuffed pig, and Judy goes, Oh, that's Terror's fuck pig. Oh, it's Terror's girlfriend. Friend. <laughs> Huey's like, What? What? His fuck pig. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which I'm delighted they threw in there because that was a that was a brilliant trope from the comic books and- is that Terror will. Fuck, fuck things, things on command. Yeah. And I like how they, and they build frequently up to it. it's it's monkey. <laughs> yeah, but I like how they build up to it because it's you see Tara at the start of the episode and the pig is just in the bed beside him. So you just think it's then, his toy. Then you get this bit about how it's his fuck pig, and then at the end of the episode he gets a new toy and it's a Homelander teddy, and Billy actually tells him fuck it, and you hear them <laughs> like squeaking, and you can hear him going for it. And it's, yeah, it is. It's one. It, that that one is purely for fans of the comics, yeah. and I was delighted to see it. I really was. But yeah, after that, after his attempted. Well, his attempted attempted suicide. Yeah. We get the taffy room. Judy's an all American hero. <laughs> yeah. She's providing a affordable affordable health care to uh, all comers. Yeah. <laughs> and in fairness, given the price of medication, she is probably raking it in. Yeah. Even um, even selling it cheaper than the hospitals do, she's still making a shitload. As we see at the end when she drives off in a Corvette or whatever yeah. it is. She's got a nice car. Yeah, so she's Judy's a, a drug dealer. Yeah. Ah, what? Yeah. But prescription. We... But she has a reinforced room that it, nobody's aware of. It's a panic room. Yeah, she has a panic yeah. room for it. So they head off down there and they're waiting and they can hear movement outside and they can hear a door opening and creaking on the f- floorboards upstairs. Mm. And then a boom. Well, but before the boom, we have the conversation between um, oh, Judy who's Lenny. yeah between Judy and Huey where Huey actually finds out who Lenny was and she tells him well she tells him it was his younger brother and how he was the best person in the world and how he always seemed to be able to like control Billy yeah and keep him in line and it was just the story about the very... him being beaten up in the playground and Billy yeah. stepping in and he's like bringing the seesaw down on the kid's head and everyone thought there, that he was going to kill him and nobody could get him off him and, and then it, Lenny stood in and he just stopped and he was able to lead him away. Yeah, it's just Lenny's... And the realisation on Huey's face of, shit, I'm... I'm he's he's decided that I'm... That's his, pur- his yeah, purpose. Yeah, he's like, oh, he realises that's what he meant by the, the canary yeah. line. Is like, oh, shit, does he want me to be like his little brother? And just as he's having that realisation, he's like, oh, well, where is he now? And realises that, no, Lenny's actually died unfortunately yeah. and there is no Lenny anymore and Huey's like crap am I supposed to be Lenny <laughs> I, yeah, how am I the, supposed to be Lenny the realisation that certain things he has done he has been able to control Butcher to a certain degree certain things he has said have gotten through to him but the yeah. realisation that Butcher has always been like this as well If this isn't like a learned behaviour this is just the way Butcher's always been Butcher needs somebody there to tell him that you've gone too far 
Yeah, because he has no recognition of it himself. No. And, yeah, sorry, then it's, after that is when we get our, our ex- a series of explosions upstairs. Yes, yeah, tick, tick, boom, and you think it's all over, and then there's more footsteps, then another boom. Yeah, and then more footsteps, and Terror, Terror starts, starts barking. barking. Black Noir realises they're downstairs, and very quickly decides to drop, I'm, I'm guessing it's supposed to be just a, a tear gas or a smoke grenade. Down the laundry chute. So they all rush out. And we have a, a rather fun confrontation with Black Noir. Yeah. Well, upstairs is in bits, obviously, because they've just blown it up. And so is Black Noir. Well, Black Noir's costume is in bits. He's all covered in shards. He's got shards of glass sticking out of him. He's got bits of nails sticking out of him. They're all trying to make a run for it out the door, I think. No. He it? tells Huey and the guys to go out the side door and then closes it. Butcher, that is. Closes it behind them and tries to take on Black Noir one-to-one. Yeah. So he is actually trying to do the right thing. Because he knows that they're there for him. He's there for him. So he's actually well, trying to get them out, yeah, which is like it's as actually much the right chivalrous thing. for Billy. Yeah, it's it's not about the suicide attempt now. It is just about shit's gone down. Yeah. And, this and is also the they'll be able, they're the best ones to get Judy and Tara out of there. Yeah, they, but that's not enough for the guys. And M.M. bursts in and just as Butcher and Black Nora are about to go toe-to-toe, <laughs> M.M. just pulls a gun and starts shooting them. Yeah. Gets a knife thrown at him, falls to the floor. Hugh Huey with a gun. Very ineffective. Don't think he hits Black Noir once. And Black Noir flings him across the room, knocks Butcher down, and is about to kill Huey when Butcher makes the only play that he really can make. Yeah, which is if you do that, your career is over. Yeah, you kill that kid and you harm anybody else. And I'm going to release all the files that I have about all the shit that Vought do and Homelander's getting no, up to. No, and- not, not all the files and all the shit. One very specific thing. Oh, of course, yeah. Photos of Ryan, Homelander's son, and all, and where you have him hidden, and the fact that you've covered up rape and all of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Cue him being put in a chokehold. That's <laughs> slammed up against the wall. And that, to me, is one of the few other bits of genuine emotion. Black Noir did not like being threatened. No. He was. He felt he was directly being threatened, and, and like that chokehold was a response to, "Did you just fucking threaten me? Yeah. Like I'm gonna kill you anyway, but did you just fucking threaten me?" And then yeah, we get a phone call, and it turns out Mr. Edgar has been watching the whole. Yeah, you see the little the the camera somehow survived the all the explosions, and he just holds the phone. He listens to the phone. Number one, it's Handel's Messiah, I think. Yeah, yeah it's Hallelujah. <laughs> it looks like a really cheap old phone as it's well. Very, are you gonna give him a good phone? He just got blown up. Twice. <laughs> True. You or give him one? a Nokia 3210. Well, no, wasn't he watching the V revelations on a normal smartphone? Yeah, so that's so his he's work got, phone. Yeah, he's, got a, he's, he's got a mission phone and then he's got his normal phone. Oh, God. It, it's a Nokia 3210 because those things are fucking indestructible. <laughs> well, that's uh, a good point, actually, because that, that phone equally survived those two explosions. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's a 3210 all the way. <laughs> yeah. And then he can play the snake on it then when he's waiting on the roof. But yeah, Ed- Edgar makes a deal with him after deciding that it's it's not worth rolling the dice as to whether or not Butcher actually has the proof he yeah. says he has. Darren and Vodder and enough shit as it and, is without that coming out. And that's why I think that Black Noir had absolutely nothing to do with Butcher except for the fact that it's a mission. Because yeah. when Edgar says put Black Noir back on the phone within like two seconds. He doesn't even put him down. He just, he lets, just lets go. go. <laughs> I, think, I think Edgar just said to him, it's over, leave. Yeah and don't hurt them and that's what he does he just he lets go and just walks straight out and there's no like I'll get you next time you ask your yeah, there's, kids there's no it's none just of gone. that and Black Norris just like yeah see it yeah <laughs> and exit stage left and he's gone and we then see the, the, the three boys and Judy roadside yeah waiting with the three cars 
But you're saying goodbye to Terror, gives him the little Homelander teddy, which he proceeds to violate. And gives him a little... It seems like Terror is the only one he's honest with as well because yeah. he gives him a little speech about how... He's going to get know, his mum back. Yeah, he nearly lost his, his bottle and he's he's going to do the right I thing. and such get, a cute dog. Yeah, he's going to get Terror's mummy back. Oh, he's so cute. I want to wiggle his little face. Oh. And there's a couple of knowing looks exchanged between M.M. and Huey and Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> and they're parked conveniently down the road away from the house. <laughs> which is now just like they've had reports of a gas leak and now it's blown up so yeah convenient cover yeah <laughs> obviously there was a gas leak and the fire department missed it <laughs> yeah never mind the fact that there's a whole lot of sh- like spent shells and all them drugs in the basement yeah and speaking of all those wasted drugs there's somebody who probably would appreciate them this episode that being Frenchie Oh, poor Frenchie. Do- doesn't have a good episode, really. Frenchie does not have a good episode at all. Like, him and Kimiko still haven't resolved anything. He's been having a heart-to-heart with Cherie, but he... That's, it, yeah, where we left him in the last yeah, episode. And in this episode, he's just following her. Yeah, dotted little scenes dotted throughout oh, the episode of him following he, her. Around the city. And he follows her to a Russian delicatessen. Yeah. Where she proceeds to mangle everybody. Oh, it's it's some of the best gore that oh, we've yeah, seen she, so she, far she, uh, the, yeah. the face ripping no and... Nicolas Cage said it best would you take his face off oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah, does that um, and like the eye bulging as she's peeling the skin and you can see the eyeball bulging again I don't I don't mean to, to blow Eric Kripke and the producers of the show too much but that's just another beautiful bit of fan service done right oh yeah her ripping faces off yeah that's another that well that whole scene is literally straight from the comics except i think it's italian mobsters she goes after in a house that's the only difference even like the lines are exactly the same of like who the fuck is it it's a little girl she's not saying anything oh i'll put my dick in your mouth yeah all of that is exactly the same from the comics and the face ripping except in the comics you don't see what she does inside the house you just see a a face getting thrown against the window from the outside the show shows us what happens. Yeah, she, she destroys the three of them. And the guy with the gun lodged in it his eye. Oh, just, it's it's brilliant. Girl. And it's pure rage as well on her. Oh, she it is. She has no it's one, just... else to do. And he kind of peeks in and he sees him. He's like, oh my God. And, and he continues to follow her. And it's into that church that's like in Midtown. Goes, follows her there. She's meeting up with Cherie. Cherie's paying her. And he's like, oh my God, you have her doing hits. And she's like, no, 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 no. The Albanians have her doing <laughs> hits. I just set it up and take my 10%. Fuck yep. you. And she just turned around because I told you she's not... She's not a kitten. She yeah. doesn't need to be saved. She needs to earn her own living. This gives her something to do. And in fairness, do you want somebody who is capable of that sort of violence not being directed at, at people? But Frenchie's, it, it he does seem to have taken what Cherie said on board last yeah. week, and he's 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 like, it's not about me trying to save her now for my own goal. Like she's like trying he, to save her from herself. Yeah, and that's that's the core of their relationship in the comics as well. And he says to her, you know, this won't help you get Stormfront, and and doing this kind of work is poison for your soul. Yeah, I know because I did it. And she doesn't want to hear it. No, she has an outburst at him, and he's like, and I just the way he's lying on the in the central aisle of the church, and he says, "I can't understand you because you won't teach me." Her, it's a breaking point for the pair of them because you can yeah. see her being like, "Shit, I'm yelling at him, and he doesn't well, understand it." And there is much to blame as each other I for think, the lack of communication. Yeah, she's I- tried. 
But the fact that she spoke in sign language and didn't even try to teach him, whereas he's tried to teach her how to read and how to write. Uh, but any time she tried to use that to communicate with him, she wasn't able to get across... What she wanted to say. And... It breaks something in both of them. Yeah, because he's the only person who wants to communicate with her. They're like, not that, that, not that he, Huey or MM no, don't want to. No, but he's putting the effort yeah, in he's the to only try one who's, and learn it. Yeah, he, he, he's trying to be a proper... Now, anyway, he's trying to be a proper friend. But he, yeah. But he, he, he can't. It's, it's a fuck you... Fuck you. Yeah, if you don't want to take my advice, fine. She's not a kid and she doesn't need my help. She doesn't want my help. Fine. Fuck you. Be a monster. Yeah. And he storms off. And he's mad at both of them. Shereen's like, well, like, what? It's my nature. It's yeah, Shereen doesn't really seem all that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's 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 a bad time all around for pretty much everybody. Especially yeah. Frenchie and the female. Um, the female, yeah. The female's probably at her lowest. Yeah. In this, like, even, she's completely dead behind the eyes when she was doing, like, well, you could see it when she's going through the kill, like, when she she walks when she sits down, she doesn't even acknowledge her. And you even, get that really emotional outburst out of her, but then as soon as he kind of dismisses her, she just shuts down again. And even when she was locked up in the cage in the basement before they rescued her, she still had the hope of getting free and getting back to her brother. Yeah, but now her brother's now dead. She do- yeah, now she doesn't even have that. And yeah, I think probably has the has had the roughest run of things in the last few episodes. Yeah. The only person I think who has in any way close to a good time this episode is our old friend the Deep. Well he got married, so yeah. Yeah, he got married and he's being featured prominently in incredibly cheesy T V ads. And uh, that and is on, uh, that is one bad T V ad. Good God. And in, in interviews with Katie Couric. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the first that we get him in this episode is... It's the, it's the first time the it's kind of he's had about any he's... sort of like positive press. Yeah, and it's about the Deep getting married. Yeah. And how the former member of the Seven who left because of sexual assault allegations is now getting married to a... No, has gotten married. Has gotten married, yeah, to uh, another... Church of the Collective member who I think she's like a, a, a professor in sociology or something like that, I isn't it? I or, can't remember, but she's but yeah, she's terrifying. <laughs> she's yeah, definitely what they need to rehabilitate his image as a yeah. serial womanizer. Yeah, well they, they they do lay on the whole oh we love Grey's Anatomy, don't we, dear? Ah uh, yeah, you see it in the, the Katie Couric interview later on. Yeah, when she's he, tucked up next to him, she's got the blanket and they're like they holding hands and it's all very ha 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 oh it's so like saccharine. 1950s like fetch my pipe and slippers because Katie Curry tries to cut straight to it she's like well look the last we heard about you basically was you were being a horrible sexual assaulting people and yeah. now that you're getting married and a member of the church so what's the story and like what's Cassandra is the wife is it I think so, yeah. Cassandra says, oh, well, look, if, if people could see the side of him, I see and, and see the sweet letters he writes me and the notes he gives me. And yeah, Deep's like, oh, you're only saying that because I make you breakfast, breakfast in bed. bed. Oh. And she's that, uh, and you could just see Katie Cork's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't... They're just trying too hard. Oh, yeah, they're totally trying too hard, but it, it, it does seem to be getting sold on at least some level. Yeah. And obviously worth mentioning that uh, Katie Couric's daughter is... Wrote the episode. Yeah, is Ellie Monaghan who wrote the episode. And after that, we see more TV spots from The Deep as well with his beautiful ad. With, and it's her first time getting a look at the founder of the church as well. True. Alistair, was it? Alistair, Alistair Adana. Adana, who is quite tall and looks a bit like Rachel Gould. 
<laughs> he kind of does. He's got that, like, no, it's the grey streak. It's the yeah. tall opposing businessman with a grey streak who looks kind of... The goatee. And the goatee, yeah. He 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 has a look at, like, League of Assassins going on. Uh, yeah, he he does it, it that or, like, kind of Bond villain-esque. <laughs> yeah, I just, sorry, that ad just cracks me up because he's like, hey, guys. Then yeah. sexualist, and he walks up and the guy's, like, sexually harassing the woman and he's like, hey, guys, that's hey. not cool. Hey, hey bro. That's not cool. And then just walk, continues walking. And there's just... the two kids roughhousing. Hey, take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and um, everything he's saying as he's going along about how, you know, oh, well, I, I, I used to be a, a shit person and now I'm a great person and it's because of the church and you can start your journey too. And it's, ah, uh, yeah, I love it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We love it because there we don't get advertisement like that. Like churches in Ireland don't advertise. Not the way, like... These, well, they're not allowed. Yeah, well, not the way these mega churches yeah. do. So I, I get it, but it's just, it's done so well. The way they parody that ad is done so well that it's so sinister. Yeah. But you kind of got to feel for the deep because he is an idiot. But the, <laughs> the church really do seem to be pushing him now. Yeah. Because in the last episode, they were the ones who got him out there on involved in the pursuit of the super terrorist. Yeah. In some way or another, the assist must have been recognized. Yeah. And now the church are pushing him even further forward. They're like, well, we got this one good thing with him last week. And now it's time to put the ad out there to show we're rehabilitating him and try and get more members in. Let's push this marriage narrative and, and get him on the, the interview circuits. Yeah. And let's have him doing charity work and handing out books, which is the last bit we see of him. Well, in the it's, the, it's the first time you're starting to see the the outside influences that are putting pressure on Vaught. So you've got the church, the collective, who are very much pushing their own agenda and do seem to be a counterpoint to Vaught's marketing and message. They're Push. trying to worm their way in. Yeah. They want a slice of the vodka pie by the looks of it. And then you've got Victoria Newman on the other side where you've got the As government the opposition. starting to put pressure and on that, as well. I like how they've kind of slowly ramped that up this episode. Yeah. Because we've seen her in little small bits of TV spots throughout. In the first episode, she's kind of talking negatively about soups in the military. Then we see her talking about the reveal of V, about how if they were hiding this, what else were they hiding? Yeah. Then we see her organizing the protest at the start. And confirming and, that the house is going to be yeah, confirming into, a, into the vault thing. That, yeah, on the, the back of it. They're going to have these congressional yeah. hearings that will investigate what Vaught have been up to basically. So you've got that going on you've got the collective becoming more and more public yeah. with their and agenda all converging on Vaught and, and then you've got this internal power struggle that's going on within the seven within the various floors in Vaught between the superheroes and the legal side of things yeah between yeah the, the between corporate and the superheroes and then even within the superheroes, yeah. Annie's... Well, they're all against each other. Like, yeah. Annie's kind of got Maeve on her side. But, like, at the same time, they're all doing their own thing as well. Yeah, so It's like no. the, Vought, the Vought cookie is starting to crumble. And I liked that this episode was different from our last two. We had our real... Like, episode three was real action-paced. And the last one was mm. much more character-driven. And this was almost like a kind of nice mix of the two. Yeah. We, we still had our A, B, and C plot. But it was all very intermingled. But yeah, no, I again another really enjoyable episode. Yeah, no, they were it, they're fun. There there isn't a bad episode in the batch, I don't think. Like it's not like when I go back through other shows, mm. God knows every time I watch Stargate there's about three episodes that I skipped. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> that's nothing just, and it's the same like with Supernatural. There's the ones that are universally recognized as being bad episodes. I don't think they've had that yet, which and is I, nice to see. Yeah, and I think it is probably a bit easier when you're not trying to do 22 episode seasons. No, it's a shorter, it's a shorter season. You don't need as much filler. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like any of the episodes that we've had have been filler. And I, I doubt next week's episode, in fact, I know for a fact, next no, week's episode no, isn't because that's where we get into Sage Grove. Yes. So guys, tune back next week for our, our thoughts on season two, episode six. And in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Rants Mono. You can send us an email at monorantspodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Chord Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi.